Lord, our hearts uh, break for the needs of this world. Lord, we thank you that we can bring them before you, that you lift them from us. We ask, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, let's take a seat. Take a deep breath. You know, we, um, if you're here visiting, if you're watching online for the first time, my name is Paul. I'm the acting lead pastor here at Granville. So it's, uh, it's great to welcome many of you back this morning, uh, seeing faces for the first time in a long time. It's, uh, it's positive. It's encouraging. We are moving through and beyond this time, I pray. And, um, you know, we, we started the year 2021-22, this new teaching year on the theme of deeper um, for the more and better life that God was going to take us to places that through the last two years and through all of the things that are going on around us that actually we're going to see, we, we're beginning to see that some things that we once held on to or we stood on based our lives upon are just not holding up and and even elements around our faith and the expression of our faith and the working out of our faith, the Lord is taking us deeper. Uh, and not just in our understanding of his word. As we come to scripture, as we look at the life of Jesus, that we meditate and reflect on his teaching. But as we look at his life and his practices, how he lived, how he loved, how he served, that we can learn from Jesus his habits, his practices, uh, and so as we become more like him. And this last few weeks, we've been looking at a series um, entitled, As Jesus Loved. Looking at the one another exhortations to love, to serve, to be devoted. And there are many, but we just honed in on a few for these last few weeks. But today we're going to look at one which fits so much uh, in today. It's one that looks at one of the most difficult and challenging exhortations, but it was a practice of Jesus, and it's one through which we can also experience the transformation into his likeness, that we can experience freedom and healing and peace and joy, the even more life that Jesus offers to us all. And I'm talking this morning about the exhortation to forgive one another. We read it in, a Colossi in Colossians, bear with each other, verse 13, 313, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then Paul goes on to say, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul is speaking to the Colossian believers exhorting them to embrace now this new life that is theirs in Christ Jesus. To lay down their old, lying, angry, and deceitful ways. And to be clothed with the new wardrobe of God. To be dressed in compassion, in kindness, in humility, in quiet strength and discipline. Paul is giving the believers here a very practical wisdom when he says, bear with each other. Be prepared. There are going to be people that you will meet, I promise, who will at time be a little tiresome. There will be people that will challenge you. There will be people that will come up against you. 
but you can live with their immaturity and their, uh, and their ways, their actions. Bear with them. Put up with. Be prepared. This is going to come. But then Paul goes on to say, in the second part of this verse, uh, even more demanding, he says, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. The implication for forgiving that Paul is saying is one that, hey, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to forgive others. And there are going to be times when the blame lays equally on each side. Forgive one another. But what is he talking about? He's talking about something which we know is actually pretty hard. It's not, forgiving is not uh, forgetting. Forgiving is not excusing. It's not justifying or ignoring. It's not even reconciliation. See, our responsibility is to exercise forgiveness regardless of the matter. As someone once said, to, to withhold forgiveness is, is to drink poison and expect another person to get sick. To forgive has the same root as the word grace. To forgive as the Lord forgave you is to extend his grace to others as you have received his grace freely, generously, and without measure. But we know that this is hard. Because every one of us here carry the scars of past hurts. Some of them are obvious. Some of them are physical. We see them on our bodies. We have scars of things that happened to us in childhoods, of knees that have been scuffed, of cuts around our eyes. But there's a deeper hurt. There are deeper hurts that each of us carry whose scars are hidden from the eye but not to the Lord. We have plenty of reminders of our hurts. I think they come to us fast and furious. We see the hurts of the world right now through the screens of our televisions, through the news that come through our, phone, through our phones. Hurts reappear in our lives and, and hit us again through in odd ways that they, they, they resurge in us. It could be through music. It could be through um, a resemblance, somebody that, that reminds you of somebody that hurt you in the past. I mean, it's, it's crazy how this stuff is, is beneath the surface, beneath the flesh, and yet so sensitive to different triggers, circumstances, situations, relationships. That have hurt us. But we also carry uh, these hurts. And, and when we wonder, what do we do with them? We know, yeah, Lord, we, we, you ask us to forgive. But that's, that path is hard and that is too steep for me. And it's possible that we abandon that path of forgiveness and we turn instead to bitterness and anger uh, and resentment. How can we then forgive? How are we to forgive one another? Well, Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul is exhorting us to a higher standard, the highest standard of Jesus himself. And he says, yeah, it, it's hard. 
But this exercise of forgiveness is, is also one of the most transformational practices that we can exercise in our Christian walk. You know, as we've looked at the disciplines and the practices of Jesus, and we've looked at what it means to go deeper in our faith and our relationship with God, and, and so often we think in terms of our prayer and our worship and our reading of Scripture and how we serve one another, how we're devoted to one another, but right up there alongside and in these, actually front and for, foremost, is the practice of forgiveness, to extend forgiveness as we ourselves have been forgiven. It's true that many of us have been and still carry hurts that have come by the actions and attitudes of others. And we may wonder, Lord, where do we turn? Where do I go with this pain? But instead of turning to anger and bitterness and thoughts of revenge, we turn instead to Jesus. And literally, I want us to turn instead to Jesus now, and let's go back to Jesus to look at him and his life uh, as we see it in the Gospels. You see, when we, when we face areas of hurt, as we turn to Jesus and go back to look at Jesus' life as told in the Gospels, we see that his whole ministry was one of forgiveness. It was announced at his coming. The angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid. Take Mary home to be your wife. What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he, he announced, uh, Look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus taught about the importance of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, when Peter asked him, Jesus, so, you know, if I'm going to forget some, if I'm going to forgive someone, is it like seven times? And Jesus says, Peter, forget seven. Seventy-seven times. Forgive them. The point being that forgiveness doesn't keep score. It's about losing count. And extending his grace again and again and again. Jesus extended forgiveness to all people. All people. Regardless of who they were, what they'd done, or indeed what it would cost him. Jesus extended grace to the woman who was caught in adultery. He, he extended grace to the soldiers as they cast lots for his clothing, having pierced his hands and his feet and nailed him to a cross. Jesus looked down upon them. And said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It was for his pronouncement of the forgiveness of sins that the Pharisees accused Jesus of blasphemy. A crime for which, um, for which he would be and was ultimately killed. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is costly. And Jesus calls and commissions us as his followers to do likewise. As Jesus, post-resurrection, appeared to his disciples, he said to them, Peace with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. This call and commission by Jesus as his church is a high call. This, this commission to extend forgiveness to all is to all, not just for some, not just when it's easy, not just for those that we prefer, but to all people. To forgive as you have been forgiven is to reinforce, Paul is reinforcing here that interdependence between forgiving and being forgiven. They hang together. The experience of being forgiven, the ex to receive God's forgiveness, releases in us the impulse to extend forgiveness to others. That's why when Jesus told the parable of the ungrateful servant, it was such a shocking story. You can look it up later on in Matthew 18. The man who was forgiven his debts who then failed to forgive the debts of others. In the same way, if we refuse to forgive, if we hold on to unforgiveness, I wonder whether actually it betrays a sense in which we have not fully embraced or appreciated what we have received through Christ Jesus. Maybe we fail to recognize our own need for forgiveness and the grace that has been extended to us Jesus said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Are we humble enough to accept our need for help, to receive the grace and the mercy of God through Jesus? When we started this series on uh, as Jesus loved we, we did so we started in John 13 and I talked to you about the, the verse 34 love one another as I have loved you so you are to love one another and in fact next week we're going to begin our Lent series and we're going to go through we're going back to actually John 14 to 16 looking at Jesus Farewell discourse, some of the final words that Jesus shared with the disciples from the upper room. It's the, oh, before I go, taking notes um, from the upper room. But I want us to go back to John 13 now. He has some really important things that he's going to tell his disciples. The final teaching in those final hours before he's arrested and tortured and crucified. He knows his time with them is limited, and he knows that he's about to be betrayed. But I want us to go back, and if you have your Bibles, you can open it to John 13. And I want to read for us um, from verses 1 to 5. So Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room. It says, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What a remarkable picture. What a remarkable story that we get to see here. As we face hurts, as we experience hurts and pain, can we extend grace to others? Jesus, in his final moments with his disciples, with so much to tell them and so much to teach them, actually took time. He rose, took off his outer garment, put a towel around him, and washed his disciples' feet. To wash the feet of others at the, at the house before a meal, would, or as others entered at the house, would have been a practice that would have been exercised by the lowest of the servants in the home. The water was there, there was a towel there, but nobody else did it, and yet Jesus was the one who got up and then washed his disciples' feet, each one of them. I don't know how you are about feet. But they're not all pretty. But Jesus poured the water into the bowl and he went to each disciple and washed each foot. Taking the dirt and the grime and all the stuff that they'd have picked up from wherever they'd walked before and he washed and wiped their feet. How long would that have taken him? You can imagine the the shock of the disciples as Jesus was washing their feet. What are you doing? Probably took him, what, 40 minutes? We've struggled at times to be quiet and just, you know, for seven. Can you imagine the weight in that room as Jesus, their Lord, washed their feet? Such an act of grace, of humility. And why is this, why is this so significant? What is it that, that strikes about this? With, Peter said to him, Jesus, you, you never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, look, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And then Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet then, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, look, the one who bathes doesn't need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, knowing that he was about to be betrayed. Moments after this time where Jesus had lovingly knelt before his disciples and washed their feet with his hands, in the humility of a servant, he was arrested. Moments later, these same lovingly washed feet carried the disciples over walls, out of the garden, through the streets of the city in fear of their lives, abandoning Jesus. Jesus washed their feet. 
I wonder if, as the disciples ran, when they finally stopped to take a breath and catch their breath, and wonder if anybody was still chasing them, having left Jesus behind, whether they looked down and reflected on their feet as they saw them and remembered that Jesus had just washed and cleansed them. They had just announced their devotion to him, their loyalty to him. You see, Jesus knew that the disciples needed grace. He extended grace to them even before they knew themselves. Such a gracious and loving act. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to betray him. He knew that they were going to let him down. Peter later reflected and wept. He knew that they needed and that they would receive grace even before they needed it. It's the same for us. Forgiveness is preemptive. God extends forgiveness to us. He extends his grace to us. Every failure on our part, every poor decision, every unkept word, every, every harsh comment, every moment of our, of our shameful uh, lives, it comes before Jesus. He knows about it all. He's seen it all. And he tells us, my grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. My grace is enough to make you clean, to forgive our past, to forgive our present, to forgive even our future sins. Because the cross of Jesus has dealt with it all. He has dealt with our sinful nature. Wherever your feet have taken you, wherever your feet may take you, no matter how far your feet take you, no matter how filthy our feet become, Jesus' word to us is, my grace to you is enough. And I can make you clean. And indeed, you are clean. He goes on in this story and says to Peter, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. As I have extended grace to you, Jesus says, so would you extend this same grace to others. Let's let others bicker and bite and keep lists and keep counts and avenge. But Jesus says, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. Well, Jesus could do this. We, we say it's hard. Jesus could do this, but how can we? I think there's a clue as we go back to, to verse 3 of John 13. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, that he had come from God and that, what, that he was going back to God, rose from suffer, supper and then began to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus knew who he was and he knew where he was going. 
And so as we reflect on this question of forgiveness, we've got to start with asking that question, do I know who I am before God? Whatever you may think of yourself this morning, whatever shame you think you carry, whatever it is you think, whatever barrier you feel you've put between you and the Lord, between you and God, between you and others, no matter how broken, no matter how filthy, no matter how dirty, no matter how far, Jesus looks to you and says, but I call you friend, that I love you, and that you are my child, that he loves us so much that he should give his life for us on a cross. There is nothing that God had not taken into account when Jesus hung there on the cross. Nothing. Now, I am not a shopper. I don't, I'm, Alessandra will tell you, I, I'm not big on shopping. In fact, we arrive at a mall and I'm already saying, so are we done? Can we go? Have you got what you needed? Like browsing, window shopping? <laughs> in, out, done, back in the car, home. So I, was, I had a dream once, a shopping dream. Invaded my sleep. But I'm going to tell you about it because because the Lord spoke to me through it. As I was shopping, I was walking down the aisles of the supermarket, and I was like throwing stuff in, and I was shopping with Jesus. He was like, he was walking with me, and I was throwing this stuff into my shopping cart. And I was putting the stuff, and I was going past the vegetable aisle and the fruits and the things. I'm looking at Jesus, look at all this healthy stuff that I'm putting in my trolley cart. And, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about this, that Jesus is looking at my healthy choices and my lifestyle. And then we walk down the cookie aisle. And in my dream, I throw a look to Jesus and I try and throw in some of the less healthy choices. And Jesus says, because this was his shopping trip, he said, no, this is my treat. And I'm throwing in this other stuff, and I'm looking to him and saying, yeah, but are you going to cover this? And he said, yeah, it's all right, Paul. I've got this. It's all on me. See, I think we, we go through our, our lives, and we think that there are things that, as, as Jesus says, that this I've forgiven, that this I'm with you, that the, the cost is on me, that I have you, I'm with you. That we think there's, there's just some stuff, but there's stuff either that he won't see or that he turns up, or that it doesn't quite cover. But Jesus says, look, all those tendencies, that sweet tooth, the stuff that you know, the poor choices, the less than good, the less than the best, I've got that too. It's all on me. You see, by his blood, we are all restored in our relationship to God. That we can become friends with God. To forgive others is first to know that which we have been forgiven of. To receive his forgiveness. To extend forgiveness, it starts with knowing who we are and where we're going. And by what Jesus has done on the cross, we, by accepting his sacrifice, we become children of God. Loved and restored to the Father. 
In order to forgive, we take time to pause and to reflect on God's goodness and mercy to us. So that being so filled with his love, we can extend his love and grace to others. I said earlier that when we think in terms of forgiveness, do we consider it a practice or a habit that we should exercise daily? I want, us to, I want to encourage us to do so. To daily acknowledge our need and to accept the gift of God's grace and his forgiveness to us each day and throughout each day. And in that way, we might also extend forgiveness to others.